0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So, once again, no smoking in this theater.
1: Mm. Hit it.
2: Thank you very much for listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast. Where we talk about movies that we saw or people that we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast, you can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at you can get tickets and merch there. My name is Jason Daphnis, uh, Horsey, and you can find me on
1: Twitter at NintendoFus. The intelligence of Casper Hauser is in a state of absolute confusion, and yet even he got his vaccinations. Just something to think about. I'm Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Cody, that was
3: mine. I'm I'm literally staring at it right now in my notes app. So I guess I'm just going to say that I feel <laughs> so isolated from everything. Uh, I'm Harry Mack, and you can find me on Twitter at Uh
0: And I'm Aaron, and the singing of the congregation sounds to me like awful howling. And you can find me on Twitter at RB Please.
3: This congregation, am I right? That's us.
0: I've never related to someone more than Casper Hauser complaining about going to church. I'm like,
2: my fucking dude, I feel you. Uh, I sympathize with you. That sucks. Church does suck. Uh, And I am Jason. I'm going to toss right back to Aaron in a sec here after introducing what is our final movie in the early Herzog series playing at the Trilon. Uh, It is the Enigma of Casper Hauser, um, one of his earliest films. So, Aaron, give us that uh, sweet, sweet pegs
0: now I got to remove the bit of my summary where I talk about this film continuing the Trilon series on the early films of Werner Herzog. Oh, cross uh, that out. Right to put you on here.
3: the spot like that. I know you uh, can sort of uh, read from the The one bit of-
0: that differs is uh, uh, I, I wrote uh, a film that continues the Trilon's and by extension, our own, I guess, series on the early films of director oh, Werner Herzog. Um Yes, this is the Enigma of Casper Hauser, 1974 film, Herzog film. Uh, the original German title, probably worth mentioning here, uh, is translated as "Every Man for Himself and God Against All."
3: Uh, it's I did so sick, a man. Bit of, I'm sorry to do. I'm sick, sorry to derail you. That's
2: such a yeah, sick title. Oh my okay, god! How
3: could they possibly have named it this instead of that? It's, it's like, also
0: a better. It's a. Be, it's a better. Like it's I don't a think title. the Enigma Casper yeah, Hauser point. is is bad. You know, like the uh, the the, the Enigma. It's like the, what's the what's the what's the the, the manga uh short uh, uh the, enigma the Enigma of Amagari of... uh, fault? No, it's not that. Amigara. Amagara fault.
2: Em, em, Emigara, it's, yeah. it's
0: badass. Like the Enigma is, of Blank yeah, is like... kind of badass in a cool way. Um but yes, the every man for himself and goding installs a, a better title, I think, in my personal opinion. I mean um, it is a
3: Again, it's it's just because it's the best title of anything. Like Enigma yeah. of Casper Hauser is fine, but Every man for himself and God against all is the best title. That's the best yeah. title I've ever heard.
0: Number The number one. Uh, the film follows the story of the real-life Casper Hauser, uh, uh, played here by uh, Bruno S., whose real name was Bruno Schleinstein, uh, but Casper uh, Hauser was a man who lived uh, in real life in the early uh, 19th century, um, and was known for having spent the first 17 years of his life in uh, kind of almost total isolation, um, chained uh, in a small cellar with only a toy horse and the infrequent uh, presence of a man who uh, was kind of described as wearing all black and with a kind of a black top hat who, who would come by and basically just feed him um, and we we historically have kind of just various notes and and kind of. Um, you know, some notes from, from Hauser himself about his his upbringing and whatnot. Um, but in, in 1828, the man uh, freed him um, and essentially, you know, just taught him a little bit of speech, very small amount of speech, a little bit of writing uh, and basically taught him how to walk and whatnot. And then left him in the square of the town of Nuremberg uh, with nothing but a Bible and kind of a, a very small note which explained um or explained some of his circumstances, but maybe also kind of made some of it up. Uh, not entirely sure. Uh, the residents of the town, nevertheless, uh, in this film kind of treat him as a bit of a curiosity and Hauser, uh, struggles with, um, uh, you know, the, the cultural and societal standards of the world around him as he kind of learns more, uh, about life. Um, Uh, As mentioned earlier, notable here is the presence of Bruno Schleinstein as Caspar Hauser, uh, who was a uh, Bruno himself was a street musician that Herzog saw uh, in a documentary who had no acting experience. Um, but nevertheless, Herzog decided to cast him, uh, for the role in this film. Uh, I think also of note, this film was invited for the 1975 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, it won the, I don't know how to pronounce this, Grand Prix Special du Jury, let's say, uh, which is, is essentially, it's the, the second place. Uh, you know, the, the first place is the, the war that everybody knows, but the, the won second place, uh, in the competition, uh, at the festival. Um, and the film has gone on to, uh, be I think kind of a, a what people regard as a highlight in the career of Werner Herzog, which is a career which is marked by uh, a good number of highlights. So, uh, Jason, uh, what did you think?
2: I think we need to talk about why this title works. Uh, excuse me, the original title works better than the um, than the anglicized title. What? Why do you think, Aaron?
0: Uh, I think that the uh, kind of a few things. Um, the something about the. Uh, there, there's kind of a, uh, well, this is getting into my thoughts about the film, but uh, f- fuck it. Let's, uh, let's ball, I guess. Um, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that this film, if we're going to uh, compare this to another film that we've recorded on, I think probably the obvious uh, comparison point here that I would imagine everybody was thinking about would be the, the elephant man, uh, which we recorded on a long fucking time ago. Literally, literally everybody
2: know. else thought of that movie. I did. Yeah. not. I that did not cross you my mind not, one time while I didn't broach this. it once. Not even really. once.
0: All right. Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, I did. Uh, I I think it's a a natural comparison point, although I think that the the ways in which it is different from the elephant man, uh, maybe kind of illustrate why that, uh, why that title works. I think that when I think about the elephant man, I think of a few different things. I think of, um, some things that are similar to this. I mean, there's, there's dream sequences that are, uh, maybe slightly trippier in the elephant man and and not as trippy here. Right. But there are dream sequences with a kind of thematically tie into some of the content of the film. There's this idea of this person who is, uh, due to their, their circumstances, um, you know, kind of biological in, in one hand and then kind of, um, You know, uh, uh, the the circumstances of upbringing uh, in another uh, kind of treated as an outcast uh, to society, uh, someone who struggles very much with uh, a lot of the kind of societal conventions uh, of the time and and how they are. uh, They're not treated. They're treated as other simply because of who they are. Right. Um, I think they are both films that have a good degree of, of empathy for those people, um, and I think that when I when I think of Elephant Man, I think a lot about the soundtrack of that film, uh, Adagio for Strings. I think that the soundtrack is really doing a lot to kind of create this uh, this, this this drama, uh, maybe this even this melodrama at times. Uh, I think that uh, the Enigma of Casper Hauser or Every Man for Himself and God Against All. Um, I think that it, it mostly avoids doing that for the most part there is Pachelbel's Canon which is used quite heavily and there are other musical pieces um but the film is not as as moving in that manner i think that, that what the film does instead is it uses a lot of the kind of um anger I think that I saw in a a film like Aguirre uh uh, to kind of uh back up the the injustices that the the character of Casper Hauser faces kind of on a day-to-day you know kind of standpoint I think there is a lot of maybe humor in this film but but a lot of it's maybe not even in humorous uh as it is simply kind of um taking aim at a lot of the people who interact with this person there's a lot of really subtle things um you know the fact that the, the people in the town for example um Uh, you know, are, are viewing him as this curiosity and some of them are even attempting to be nice to him, but doing that in ways that are clearly othering, right? Like they'll give him a place to stay, but it's in these stables and he kind of lives in the straw, right? They can't even give him like an actual room to stay in. Um, A lot of that kind of stuff, I think it, it, it backs up the, the the original name of this film, which is that for people like this, for people who are seen as other, I think they really do have to fend for themselves. And they're in a situation where, um, where you know uh uh theologically they are they are kind of um you know seen as less than other people right uh and that they're the circumstances of that god or a higher power or whatever put them in um places them at a, a disadvantage in our society and i think this film is kind of angry about that um and i think that that title reflects that
2: and that's very long-winded but its that that is that kind of what you're seeing as well that that absolutely scratches at it um what i get from that original title uh is sort of like man's universal struggle to adapt sort of thing like the and the role that nurturing and naturalizing play in that um the fact that casper hauser was uh you know for the first more than decade of his life uh removed from you know quote unquote civilized society literally just to himself um you know the things that he's tossed into the sort of society that he's uh, thrown unceremoniously into only seems important. Those pieces only seem important or normal because the people in Nuremberg uh, in greater Germany have lived it for so long. You know, it's just part of their culture. It's part of their, you know, their, their norms. Right. Um, But uh, he he himself feels so far removed from it all. Um, I I feel like uh, Herzog's films have touched on that concept of, you know, a, a man or a person being sort of removed, uh distanced either emotionally or spatially from, you know, quote unquote his place in the world. Uh and except for Nosferatu, I don't know if many of them have really used an actual sympathetic protagonist to tell that. I think that was part of our problem with um or my problem anyway with Fitzcarraldo and with Cobra Verde is that it was tough to like actually empathize with any of those characters. Um with Nosferatu being our first in this series, it was I guess I was expecting something a little different. It scratched somewhat near that um in this film, uh, but I feel like the, the title does not ring with me and it just, this is more of a nexus of my point rather than the point, but is that like the enigma that is Casper Hauser, at least through the lens of this film is not the mystery of where he came from or what he, what he's doing sort of like, it, it's more like it's the world's confusion as to where he fits as to why he doesn't integrate with these elements of society. I feel like that's a stronger lens through which to tell the story and therefore like by extension, probably a better title through which to understand it. Um, I think
0: that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the question is not. I mean, the, the movie is not really concerned with where he came from right, that much, right. right? It's 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 how, why why is society structured to fail people like this, right? Exactly, I think it's kind of
2: more of the question. Exactly, and you're thinking exactly on the lines along the lines I'm thinking of. Um, and to that point, I will close out by mentioning that, like at the same time, there's this sort of uncomfortable undercurrent about uh, Bruno Schleinstein. Um in real life, he was a person with disabilities. He had a really hard upbringing. I only read a bit into it, and there's a small documentary on YouTube um, that goes into his early life and sort of his place after these movies were filmed. I think in the 90s, they caught up with him. Um, by some accounts, you know, his mother beat him to temporary deafness when he was a child. He was institutionalized. He was then subjected in the 40s to not literal Nazi experiments on disabled children. So like, as a human in the real world, Bruno Schleinstein, this man who's portraying a character who has trouble like actually getting along in the world, had an incredibly hard time getting along in the world, both before, during, and after the filming of this film and and his other um, with with uh, with Herzog uh, Strozek. Um, he was kind of a tragic figure outside of that on-screen presentation, but I think Bruno S. as a person is necessarily part of the movie as well. Uh, like, like you just said, um, Aaron, how the world sort of treats what society offers people with disabilities, what it doesn't, what kind of spaces are made for those people. Um, I don't really think it's coincidental that he's sort of juggled, like from the moment he appears in Nuremberg, he's sort of juggled between different, you could call them segments of society, like the simple farm folk. Uh, there's a circus troupe. He gets t- tossed into high society and religion, et cetera, before literally being brutally murdered. <laughs> uh, it, that's my, you know, last like big point about the movie. I think it's got some funny. You were you're mentioning Aaron some of the humor. It's got some funny bits. There's this little bit where, um, one of the shorter characters who's like a little scribe, a little messenger, always like repeats the final line of whatever somebody is saying in front of him just to like confirm it, and it turns into a bit because he does it like thirty times over the course of one single monologue. Um, that's that's like an example of the humor here. Uh. There are a lot of questions I have about this movie remaining and I'm sure that uh, me babbling has has brought up more for the other folks. Um so I will uh I will toss to uh Cody for his thoughts.
1: Cool. Um great stuff y'all. Wow, different uh opening energy to this. You you love to see it. Um great way to cap off this manic Herzog series that um we've been subjected to. Just kidding. It's been it's been great um if not always fun. Um but the movie at hand here Uh, we've got Casper Hauser today. Um, and this was a movie that before, um, you know, John and the trial and scheduled it, it was a movie that it, it caught my eye during probably just some like random letterboxed, uh, surfing, you know, surfing, surf in the boxed as they call it. Um, you know, it has like a really engaging pitch, you know, just like a quick one-liner, um, like for this movie is like very uh, like fascinating and mysterious. And I thought, wow, I should watch that at some point. Um, And I'm really uh, glad that we got the chance to watch it and talk about it. Um, you know, just checking that off the old watch list. Um, this this uh, it kind of weird having seen this and also having seen Aguirre. Um, just like in my mind, this almost feels like it it would be better not not better served, but it almost feels like it could have been a precursor to Aguirre, but it was made two years afterward. Um, and this sort of it, it has a lot of like first feature energy. I think. Um, maybe that's just me. I'm um, not necessarily because Casper Hauser is like a raw movie or. Not particularly realized, but there's like this I don't know how to how to characterize it, but like it, it there's like an intimate sort of like earnestness i I think um maybe alluding to the empathy that Aaron was talking about um that uh I, I don't know is not really present in the other films in the series we've talked about um and it i don't know it maybe it makes sense uh to me to to see that sort of softness come first and then Herzog kind of refine his edge um later on as he goes not that there isn't the that edge here as well but there's a a warmth to it as well um and i guess full disclosure like coming after watching like and talking about Fitzcarralda and Cobra Verde, this feels, um, uh, uh, comparatively like a palate cleanser. And so like, I just exhausted from, from the series again, in, in great ways coming into this and just, you know, base level readings abound, you know, just this feels at times like a fish out of water story. Uh, you know, the central character, he's, he's sort of like this, this blank canvas. Um, you know, uh, like it's been said, we don't, Uh, rather the movie comes to not really care where he comes from um but he's this sort of blank canvas who comes and the people that he encounters sort of they they imprint themselves upon him they draw upon him just uh i don't know whatever they feel compelled to um some people not nearly enough um but some people treat him with kindness a lot of people treat him with with cruelty a lot of people other him um they mock him uh we also kind of we're we're Privy um, to seeing some scenes with him where he's sort of uh, putting together and uh, uh, telling unfiltered thought processes about his views of religion and and logic, and um, only finding comfort in his own bed because the outside world um, and people um, are it's you know it's a it's a scary place. People mood. are scary. Big mood. Uh, yep. Evergreen retweet. Um, Preach Brother Casper. Um, so, it, yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's his journey. Um, you know, it's the, I don't know, if you squint and look at it, maybe it's the journey of uh, an alien from outer space visiting planet Earth and experiencing humanity for the first time and like learning the ropes. Um, maybe, you know, a, a journey of a human who's self actualizing for the first time is maybe a more practical look at it. Then um, we get into the episodic adventures of Casper Hauser in the later portions of the movie. Um, and I felt um, it a little harder to focus which in retrospect is weird because Bruno S is so magnetic and engrossing and like that, that should be enough. But I I think the, like (laughs) when he's not around, I just find myself asking, where is Casper Hauser? Um, like the other, uh, townspeople characters that surround him are, are pretty dull in comparison. Um, that might be by design. Um, that's probably be a, a valid reading, but I don't know. While the people themselves didn't quite sell me nearly as much as um, as Bruno did. Uh, there were some like little like quirks and um, disjointed kind of technical choices that uh, I liked watching uh, characterize this production in this environment. They sort of charmed me a little bit. Um, the I, I think the biggest one for me, the musical overture during the opening credits that just like abruptly stops um, while we're in Bruno's uh, little cell. It felt you know, it was such a minor choice, but it was um, like a really, I think, appropriate introduction to this dude who does not abide by the rhythm of humanity, if you know what I'm saying. Um, see, I don't know, that, that tickled me in a good way. I've been talking too long. Um, I, I'm glad I finally got the chance to watch this. I, I came away at liking it overall. Um, like I said, palate cleanser energy from this uh little cool down, uh, to cap off, uh, what has been a really great series to talk about with the fellas. Um, and now I'm going to, uh, roll this microphone over to our resident smart apple, Harry Mackin, Harry. Oh, smart microphone. It jumped over my foot and it kept rolling.
3: So I'm going to go, uh, grab it, track it down. Um, this is proof that microphones have souls. Hello. Um, I'm speaking into the soul microphone now. Wow, that sounds cool. Um, I really like that, Jason, you started with the title. Um, I think that both of these titles work really well for me, and they both illustrate different but sort of interrelated complementary points that the movie's making. Um, First of all, I read The Enigma of Casper Hauser as sort of a dark irony, right? I think that the characters in this movie... Much like in Elephant Manor, even in this is a weird comparison, but something like Blade Runner, they spend all of this time looking for the riddle of why Casper Hauser is the way that he is. That they ignore him as a human being, and in fact, the fact that he acts or seems to be different gives them carte blanche to otherize him. Right? I think that's what Aaron was getting at when he talked about how. even when people are nice or trying to be nice, they do so in ways that ultimately highlight the fact that they think of him as different and lesser to the point where they can categorically deny his fundamental humanity, right? Um, I think that the the movie itself ends on that point too, where they find a uh, quote unquote biological reason for the reason the way Casper Hauser was the way he was. The guy even says like, Oh, what a great complete and accurate report. This will be like, it's not because of his socialization or, or because of the way that we treated him or et cetera, that he was this way. It was just that he had an enlarged left cerebrum, right? Mystery yeah, solved. Yeah. The Enigma's over. Like we've got this, like, There is a there is a concrete rational scientific explanation for why he was the way he was. We don't have to examine ourselves. We don't have to examine the way we've treated him. Right? It's very much the Blade Runner thing. It's like, well, they were a replicant, so they were pretending to have human emotions all along, and therefore it's okay that we killed them. Um, So that's why the Enigma of Casper Hauser works so well for me as a title. Um, I also really really like. Um, Every Man for Himself and God Against All, because I think that this movie is ultimately more concerned with not only empathizing with Casper Hauser and his outlook, but using Casper Hauser's unique perspective as someone who has been both in and outside of, um, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron, I'm sorry. It looked like you had something you wanted to say about the first bit. I want to talk about the other title, too, but I really want to hear what you have to say about that title. Yeah, sorry sorry
0: to kind of interrupt, but I I was going to say this kind of as my... uh, uh, little summary on, on what I thought of the film uh, and it, at this point I'll just let just bundle this shit together right uh, I, I think that, that to tie in because I think you really nailed it with your your point about the the I don't know the kind of the English title uh, which I actually am kind of coming around on uh, uh, to your point I do think that there is a a irony or like a sarcasm there that I think is, is fairly pointed um, and that I, I kind of view this film um, as a pretty brutal and kind of unflinching um, look or even like take down on, on anthropology, specifically the history of anthropology yeah. uh, over the last few centuries, um, kind of the process, the scientific well, scientific, Uh, Process of trying to to understand things through a very narrow lens, a very uh, specifically Western lens, right? To treat people and cultures as as pure oddities, uh, to deny their um, humanity, but even more than humanity is their authenticity, right? Is I think humanity itself can be a pretty loaded term, right? Um, And I think the scene specifically you talked about, of them poking his brain, um, is kind of one scene that is I think a key to that. But I think the other one is, of course, the extremely infuriating conversation uh, with the kind of logic master who comes in to try and trick him, right? Or to try and have some sort of enlightened conversation to determine his intelligence. Um, This was something I I learned a lot about when um, I was in college taking a class on um, uh, South African uh, literature and media, uh, specifically the, the kind of anthropological nature that uh, a lot of the, the white South Africans and, and colonizers in that area kind of approached a lot of the, the, you know, the, indigenous people um a lot of just like really messed up history uh, of anthropology um which i think is is being kind of taken down by this film but i do think there is also something interesting of the fact that Werner Herzog is doing it as he is somebody who is not an anthropologist, but as a a documentarian uh, someone who includes those aspects in his films, even when they're their narrative. Um, I think that there's something interesting to unpack there. Maybe this is kind of uh, Herzog, at least kind of early on his career dealing with some of that stuff himself. I don't know. Maybe there's something to chat about there, but yes, you, you really nailed it. Um, with your, your kind of interpretation of, of that title, I think
3: what a great point, Aaron. Um, that's that's really in- interesting. I mean, I think that it, it goes to show that um, Herzog, as a documentarian, has been like very pointedly anti like traditional documentarian, right? Where the traditionalist says that you should be objective and you should be almost a journalist and attempting to get at some sort of truth that is removed from a particular perspective. And Herzog has his made a career out of saying that that's all bullshit, right? I think his famous quote is something to the effect of like, no, the, the documentarian has to be the bee that stings, right? It has to be someone who leverages realities in order to make a more pointed uh, personal point or message or political message, right? His, and his
0: narrative, his narratives are often filtered through the, the lens of docu, uh, you know, uh, a documentarian, and his documentaries are often filtered through the lens of creating some sort of a narrative or, or kind of story behind them. It's, exactly. it's, he kind of flip-flops it, right? It's interesting. Right. And as here too, right? Like I think that, that people
3: have said that this is based on the real life of Casper Hauser, but it, it's obviously not grounded in a biographical reality, right? I mean, for one thing, there there's details here that nobody could possibly know, like his dreams and everything like that. But it's also just like Cody had mentioned, like episodic to a point that a documentary, like a documentary about somebody's life wouldn't be. Um, so I yeah, I, I really like that point. Um, and I just, it's, it, it reminds me a lot of like this early and now discredited and discredited well before this time, um, very like Eurocentric Western idea of the um, epistemology of language, right, which once suggested that um, language sort of confines the world of thoughts, right, and and emotions that like, if you don't have the language or the ability to articulate uh, your thoughts, um, they don't exist, uh, which was like, something that was used again, Aaron, to your point, like anthropologically to deny the fundamental humanity of people who didn't come from essentially like a Western background, right? Who didn't have traditional logical um, education and upbringing. There was this idea that like, and to an extent they thrust this upon and project this upon Casper Hauser. At one point they say, it's so funny that you never dreamed before you came here, which is absurd, right? Of course he did. He just didn't know that they were dreams or like they they continue to sort of like um almost willfully misunderstand his attempts to communicate his thoughts because they don't fit within the framework of the thoughts that um that they're attempting to again project on him and so like there is this there's this Constant tension between Casper Hauser and the rest of the people that like these categories that they all take fundamentally for granted. Like I, the best example is faith, right? Faith is a completely abstract concept that is meaningless to Casper Hauser, but they're so frustrated that he can't rock it, right? And it's like, of course, it's a completely sociological concept, right? It, it comes from outside of nature, and that's sort of the whole point. But um, or like the the fundamental difference between eminent and inaminent objects that doesn't work for Casper Hauser either. Like all of these things. They stem from the fact that he wasn't educated the way that that they were, it, but they take it to mean like in the absence of that specific education, his understanding of the world must be like, null, no, right? Like that there there can be no outside of our humanity, outside of the established humanity that, that we are educated inside of, right? Um, and that, that makes a really interesting um, perspective for Kasper Hauser because he has this unique perspective where he has existed outside of humanity. At one point he says that people are like wolves to him. And that's where the other title comes from. For me is this idea that um, Kaspar Hauser becomes very melancholic and, and sad and isolated. He, he never knew that um, uh, that he was isolated until he was given this vocabulary and structure that was sort of imposed on him from the outside. And that, is, that begets his isolation, right? He is able to see both that there is something there, there is a, a sociological sort of uh, context in, in interlocking um, vocabulary, and that he is outside of it and beyond it. And I think that that frustration, this idea that he can see and sort of like begin to reach out and grasp at um, the the society that has been deprived him, but he will never be able to integrate inside of it. I think that, that Herzog is using it to sort of illustrate this larger idea about the fundamental isolation of human consciousness in general, right? This idea that like, actually like all of these things that we think are true or like taken for granted, um, are a lot of like definitions from after the fact, right? Like there is no meaning or, um, what's the, the deridian quote I can't remember now, but it's like all You're of these. I'm not gonna things, get this
0: one for you. you yeah, you no, must a, walk um, this path alone, Harry. <laughs> Harry.
2: Harry, Harry has he has the hubris to say, "Oh, uh, I can't the remember Spinoza, What's the? <clears> throat> 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 <laughs> but, he said, well, Can help me?
3: But basically, you know, like it, it's it's just the idea that like we we think that connotation and denotation are objective, right? Like that that language is just a description. um of reality and it's not. It comes from a context that we all take for granted because we were born inside of it. So like seeing that. Outside of the context that we were born into, um, it, it's a way for us to recontextualize all of those things that we take for granted, right? So, like, all of a sudden, all of these things that we have never even thought about, like, we can see how Casper would struggle with them and how they would be fundamentally impossible for him to figure out, right? Like like the size uh, principle with the tower. Um, Aaron, uh, what do you think about all of that? Or maybe the other title, or you didn't get a chance to say your um, initial <laughs> thoughts. So that uh, also...
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of that's gone. uh, I thought, I think it's a really good film. Uh, no, I, I, to, to kind of build off your point, I think there's also a, a theological aspect of this, right. That the film I think takes a lot of kind of care to, to touch upon. Um, and, and how that relates to, you know, not, not just kind of the, the schools of thought that that a, a character like uh Hauser doesn't fall into, but also from a theological perspective, he's kind of, uh, Like, it's an interesting paradox, right? Because he, he, he is somebody who, at one time like reinforces kind of um christian ways of thinking right he, he is somebody who they are able to identify i mean one of the characters even calls him a, a noble savage uh in in the film a <laughs> uh, really disturbing scene right uh yes a very sad scene uh at this kind of uh, this ball this party right um he, he is a character who, who reinforces kind of a, a kind of classical christian way of thinking about um you know uh nature and and you know he, he is somebody who yeah he reinforces a lot of those thoughts but at the same time kind of consciously like rejects a lot of the kind of the theological thinking and somebody who is clearly disturbed by that and that an attempt to impart some degree of of christianity on him um you know that's something that he, he actively rejects not just complaining about singing of the congregation sounding like awful howling right but also um, the the kind of the religious characters uh, in this film keep trying to, to lead him towards some sort of Christian way of thinking. And it, it just clearly does not fit into how he thinks about and experiences the world because he has not been kind of um, brought up in this setting right. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of interesting uh, uh, stuff there as well that kind of fits into uh, what Harry uh, was talking about. Um, I think my other uh kind of things here i think that this is a very frustrating film to watch in a lot of ways i mean i i jokingly said this in the discord when i was watching it but uh i i would strangle to death about 80 percent of the people in this movie like pretty much everybody who he comes into yeah. contact who is mean to him it's like i would mur- i would murder you uh <laughs> if i had who, the opportunity who
2: goes it. first who could you take uh has got be the logic
0: dude logic the the fucking logic test motherfucker i would i second that i would yeah beat that guy to death no question uh because he got your he fuck, he messed up he got your whole shit dude and then casper
3: hauser yeah. got his ass so bad too his, i mean i was like hollering i was like ask get if, his if he's ass. a frog man yeah number one hey
0: you're you he money you're, that guy Yes, and you're expecting the end of that scene to be like some sort of revelation, right? But no, the guy's just a dick about it. Uh, he's going, chop and block, absolutely. Um, uh, the the people who sneak into his room and like torture him in a very elephant man-esque sequence where they, they bring the chicken, right? Uh, and they're, they're just like making fun of him and he's he's recoiling in fear. All those guys got to go, obviously. Um, the re- Obviously, the religious people, they got to go as well um
2: line them all up and like a like a 1930s pugilist you'll just put on your gloves and and bat very them back like Watchman
0: uh vigilante justice uh take <laughs> here which I don't actually mean that much and you'll but yeah, and you'll just- look
2: down and whisper nine.
0: Yeah, it's very, very frustrating uh, watch is what I'm saying. But I
3: mean, vigilanteism, if you get enough people on your side and you do it to enough people, that's a revolution, my man. And 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 that's a good thing.
2: And then if people stop talking about it like a revolution, it just becomes culture. It becomes humanity. Listen, this is how we usher in. The new world. Um, This is a great point, I think, to start uh, pulling in. We're already at thirty minutes, which is wild and wonderful. Um, But I wanted to see if we can talk about, like, we've probably already covered this, but maybe not through the lens of what do you think this movie is looking for in Casper's situation? Like, we've already talked about how, like, humorous it can be, how, like. You feel pity and sympathy for the character. You feel empathy, obviously, for a character out of place. Um, you feel this distaste for you know society and that sort of prescriptive humanity. Uh, Cody, I'm, I'll start with you first. What do you think the movie is primarily looking for in its depictions of these characters and of this story? Um, is there one of those that stands out? Is it like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to feel? This is what I'm, what I'm supposed to be like, getting out of it.
1: Sure. I think, I, I guess the first thing I think of when you, um, great question, by the way, I I think the fact that we, like we're, we spend so much time with Casper, like we're, we're seeing this world through his eyes, right? Like we spend the first 20 odd minutes with him. And so it's sort of the inversion of like, yeah, this is taking place obviously in a different time, but like, uh, otherwise, I mean, this is uh capital S society, well, maybe not capital S society, but this is um, society or to use the loaded term humanity just like the, this is a community of people um that we would maybe otherwise be a part of but we're we're actually going to stick stick with this um this uh this foundling and see the world that way in, and just kind of like see these um I, like microaggression is like not the right word to use, but like that sort of like the ways that we've been talking about in which, you know, people do things and say things, Um but you, seeing it uh, through Casper Hauser's eyes, I'm just going to say his phone name because it's so much fun. I'm um, seeing it through Casper, mm-hmm. seeing those things through Casper Hauser's eyes. It, it's like, okay, like we know, we know what these people, um uh, I, I, I guess, Really, you know what what they're really doing, what they're really trying to to communicate, um, and like asking kind of questions along the way, like seeing seeing his experience from his or rather from his perspective, from our perspective, and seeing like, okay, he's not hostile by nature, you know, uh, that's like that, uh, just kind of uh, trying to absorb as much as I could about his quote unquote upbringing in in this cell. Uh, just like it seems like he's being taught things in a very sporadic, like unpatterned unpa- way, but he's not like violent he's very like um dutiful if there is such a he's very compliant um he uh, like uh, obedient just because he knows nothing else like just like these these little sorts of things like unable to string together a pattern because the sample size of like the days that we're seeing, you know, I, th- I think we basically just watch one day in the life of Casper Hauser. Um, but then seeing him come to town and, and seeing okay, like these people are trying to be kind, but they're also like severely looking down on him. They put him in a cage so that they don't, and this is confirmed in, in Uh, a few scenes of conversations that the townspeople have of just like, we don't want to use up too many resources to like put up with this guy. So we're just going to like put him in a cellar, put him in, you know, a freaking circus. So we don't have to like, you know, so that the bottom line isn't, you know, we're not just like throwing resources at this guy at this uh, creature as they sort of see him and not like, you know, it's not going to be a net loss for us. Um, They don't really talk about it in in those sorts of terms, but you kind of get it. Like that's the the sort of angle Mm -hmm. they're coming from. And like, once, uh, Casper Hauser is able to vocalize, he, he says something, um, he says, uh, I feel so far, or I think he says, I am so far away from everything, which, uh, maybe in some ways gets back to to what you guys were talking about. And just like, he's, um, you know, he's here, but I, I think in Harry's words, like he's, n- he'll never be able to like integrate. And eventually he finds, and, and we, and he kind of voices for us because I think we were sort of meant to, to see those, see the writing on the wall in that way too. just like, yeah, I mean like he it's been a couple years with these people. He's never he like he's never going to be one of them. Um like be just because he comes from a different place and and this community of people um like they're they're never going to see him that way. And so like honestly like if anything I kind of um uh, jumping on the Aaron Grossman train, but like, yeah, like I think, and oh, you're supposed yeah. to feel, you're supposed to feel frustrated. Like I definitely felt Jou-jou. frustrated too. Uh, like for, for as like warm and, um, like warm and tender are also maybe too strong of adjectives, but like, you'd like, you feel the empathy for this guy. And like, there is supposed to be this sort of warm connection. You're, you're maybe, you know, cause he is, he's so pure. <laughs> right. Um, and just like, yeah, like he can't, like he, he got, brutally murdered like and that's not his fault and that's frustrating as all hell there are so many preventable ways through just like the way that the world is that like there are so many things we could have done to prevent that from happening and just like yeah it's it's frustrating um so yeah i don't don't know if that gets back to the question at hand maybe um harry will have a a different way to approach it but that's i i guess off the cuff what i think of
3: yeah i really like a lot of what you and Aaron both said, I, it occurs to me that um, as you and Aaron were talking about everything about all of the the categorizations that, that Casper has in this movie are imposed upon him by this outside society community, right? Like he becomes uh, deferent and um, submissive because he is told to be that way, right? He, he becomes lesser because he's told to be like, he undervalues himself because of how they tell him these, these quote unquote authorities tell him he should think about himself. Right. And I know that's easily problematized. I'm not saying that, like that, um, Casper Hauser is like, just as equipped to deal with society as everyone else, if they would just give him a chance, but he is a victim, right. But, but nothing more or nothing less. And, the way that they categorize him as this sort of like fundamentally damaged individual is is really frustrating, right? Because it's like, look, this is a guy who was not properly socialized because he was imprisoned against his will. And in all sort of like he is he is clearly still fully operative as a human being, right? He just does not possess the same sort of cultural context that we do. And it's difficult for him to pick it up, but like they're treating him like he's a, like you had said, like a creature, like an alien who is fundamentally incapable because of what has happened to him to the point where even after they've killed him, they look for biological reasons why he never could have integrated in the first place, right? Instead of actually trying to make it happen at any point, instead of trying to see him as a person, they make him into a curiosity. They monetize him, Um, and then they kill him right in the end, despite the fact that like, as, as viewers on the inside, we can see that like, he is capable of abstract thought he's capable of Uh, Forming his own connections with reality, drawing his own conclusions, and even becoming clever within the system that's imposed on him, right? Like in the in the tree frog sense, Um, I think that this movie has a lot to say about religion in a similar way, right? I think that it's almost as pointed in many ways as that part of Aguirre where um, the the guy doesn't understand the Bible um, and says it's not speaking to him, so they kill him, and then they say these savages are difficult to educate, right? It's like Unless you can demonstrate our exact sort of like parameters for what makes a human being, we are going to decide unilaterally that you are not that, and then we have carte blanche to treat you the way that we want to treat you, regardless of the truth or regardless of how you attempt to communicate with us. Right? It's like they weren't looking for it; they were looking, as Aaron had noted, like the whole point of the Casper Hauser project even from the people that were sort of looking down on him was to prove out the nature of their reality, right? That like, oh, we can educate this man. We can make him a part of this society. And in doing so, I mean, like at at one point during that, that scene with the religious people, they're literally trying to get him to admit that he knew God before he had language for God, right? That they're like, they're almost desperately trying to get him to say like, there is a higher power. And even beyond my sort of like uh, socialization, I understood that. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like that that doesn't mean anything to me because it is exactly the opposite of what you want it to be, right? Like it is a, like God, religion, all of those things are sociological concepts. They are given to you by society. They are not something that is just sort of like in the ether for you to pick up. And like, you can see how like that is such a... um that's such a problem for the control structure that this society has, right? Where, where the religion sort of like would want you to believe otherwise, so that history and society and hierarchies are all something that are natural as opposed to something that are imposed. But Casper Hauser kind of shows them that they are imposed. And what do they do with them? They kill them right? So uh, it, it all comes down to sort of like a, it's a really interesting, like, look into power and control, I think. Um, and I think that ultimately, to answer your question, Jason, sorry, um, it's it's about recontextualizing our understanding of our own epistemolo- epistemology, right? Like, understanding where our thoughts and feelings come from, and how we relate to them, and how we understand them. I think that this um, movie does a really startlingly good job of getting us to sort of, like, rethink, um, as I said before, kind of what we take for granted, right? And and understand the ways in which um, society and culture and um, basically Western education are sort of like defining and delimiting um, the nature of our identities and our, the way that we perceive the world.
2: Yeah, I, I really like what you said about um, how people want to uh, use Casper as like a case study, as sort of like for lack of a better term puppet to prove out the nature of their reality of their understanding of the world. Um, it makes me think of the scene where uh I forget the character's name, but the older guy who kind of tries to take Casper under his wing. Um, and there's a scene where they're just debating like the nature of an- like animated life um, with the apple tree. Like there's an apple that has fallen off of a tree that he plucks off of a tree. Uh, and the old guy says that he acts upon it, that it is not alive, that it stops where he wants it to. So he tosses it down the, um, down the pathway and it actually rolls off into the grass. And Casper says, Oh look, it rather hid in the grass rather than rolled on oh, yeah. the pathways you want it to. And then he does it again, and it jumps over the guy's foot. That's the Einstein moment. Uh, that no, was the I, Einstein. That okay, was the Einstein moment. I'm glad Einstein we. About, I'm glad we had, uh, uh, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, Aaron. What the hell? Do you
0: not know what I'm talking? Does nobody no. know that meme? No, there's the there's the, the Christian Sorry. meme about the the professor who is is trying to uh, impart uh, evil communist atheism on. Yeah, you guys don't have enough are not uh, not in touch with enough uh, weird uh, evangelical christians uh who is trying to to teach his uh students about the the non-existence of god and says uh if, if i if i will drop this chalk from you know head height or whatever and it will drop on the ground and break and if god exists then then please, you know, make sure that it that it doesn't break, and then that will prove the existence of God. And one student in the class is like, No, God does exist. I will stand up and and show you that God exists. And then the presser drops it, and what happens? It hits his foot and then rolls across the ground, not breaking. And that student's name is Albert Einstein. That's where the meme comes from. That is the uh, there's what like the a bunch fuck? of different versions of that, but that's where the meme comes from. And this scene in this movie is basically this, but the exact opposite point is being made where <laughs> <laughs> they are trying to teach him about the the, the Christian right of human beings to have ownership uh, over all of these right. other things due to the superiority uh, of them from a theological standpoint, made in God's image, all of that, and instead what happens is the apple bounces over this guy's shoe and Casper and Hauser's uh, worldview, which is also, I guess, incorrect as well as theirs, uh, but but it is just as valid, uh, and it is, you know, their point of view is not proven in that moment. That was my point about the Albert Einstein thing. It's is, is a very long way to say it, but how no, do you guys is, not know that thing? I don't know. That's I so, that's was so, so embarrassing.
2: I think I'd die of embarrassment if I saw or heard that story anywhere in the world. Facebook Harry. was
0: wild with that shit like a decade ago. Just, Bro, just, uh, yeah. That
3: sounds like a Facebook thing. Um, it, I really like that scene because of, I mean, it, the, the metaphor is somewhat obvious, right? But like, it is really startling and nefarious at the same time. Right. It's like, literally they are trying to teach, um, Casper Hauser, that the Apple has no interiority, that it has no consciousness, and therefore they can do whatever they want with it. And it's like, yeah, they're talking about the Apple right now. But like, it's, it's pretty clear how they sort of extend that way of that line of thinking, right? Like they could just as easily be talking about Casper himself, or any number of people who don't meet the parameters that they have set out for what, what is a human being, right? It's like when you set up these categories, the only reason you set up those categories is so that there are things you can deny. Um, and it's, it's very scary.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It tackles that from uh, a few different angles. That's why I mentioned at the top, like uh, the fact that he is tossed between different segments of, of uh, the the village, I guess, in this like small encapsulation of West German culture um, being like the the uh, Abbey that he's brought into the the high society where he is, um, as, as one of you mentioned, he's noble savaged before a bunch of people. Uh, it, it it's really like pretty comprehensive in that statement. I think. Um, the last thing that I that leaves me scratching my head a little bit, and I feel like we're, you know, picking at the fruit label that will like unmask it is, um, what about Casper's dreams throughout the movie? Uh, I believe he has one vision of people walking to their death at the top of a foggy mountain and then right near the end he talks about a berber caravan um where do those fit into the whole thing is that just like is that another like perception of reality thing is that sort of the dreams that he has uh post being in you know um inculcated into modern culture what where where is that harry do do you have any uh ideas about that
3: uh, naturally, unfortunately, um, I liked I like both of the dream sequences a lot. Um, the first one, the foggy mountain metaphor, um, it, it stuck out to me as sort of Casper having this, um, admittedly abstract but but very poignant empathy for all of humanity as a result of his condition, right? Like he. He sort of sees humanity in this great procession moving up this mountain, and there's fog surrounding them, so they can't really see or understand each other, but they're all walking in the same direction toward death. Um, that sort of, like, illustrated to me the fact that, like, this is Kaspar Hauser's fundamental rejection of his dehumanization, right? Like, this is him expressing fundamentally that he understands the human condition and that he understands that the people around him are, are also all isolated in their own ways, which makes sort of the tragedy that people can't see him that way, see that he's not actually that different from them all the more poignant. Um, at least that was my interpretation of that first dream. I'd be interested in everybody else's thoughts. Um, and then the the second dream, it's sort of like it, it it really hit. And maybe this is me projecting too much from Elephant Man, but it really did sort of an afterlife thing for me where it was like he's talking about the mountain and there's, there's the blind leading the blind through this this desert, right? And it seems like there's no end to the desert and they're thinking they're never going to get out of it and they're being led by a blind man. And they see a mountain in the distance that they're never going to be able to get over. And, um, the blind man says that's an illusion. You just have to keep walking. And then they keep walking and they reach the city. And he says, that's where the story begins, but he doesn't know the story to me. That's sort of like, I mean, the, the mountain is sort of the idea of death, right? Like this idea that death is the end of existence or the, the end of sort of, um, this, this way of being and Casper is sort of like thinking about how that might be illusionary, but again, I could be wrong. So Aaron, what do you think about that?
0: Um, I read, I think, something different into the second vision there. Um, You know, I I thought that was uh, uh, kind of a very poetic way of kind of Casper Hauser kind of contextualizing, or I guess the film contextualizing. Um, kind of his place in the world, right? And the value of, of somebody like him who, who does not fit into kind of the, you know, the societal mold, but nevertheless, the way that he thinks about things and the way that he approaches things in his life still has, um you know, value and meaning. Um, you know, I, the, the person who is kind of uh uh with this caravan is, is blind, right? And he, he tells them to avoid the mountains because he, he, bends down and he tastes some of the sand that they're on. Right. And that, that somehow lets him know that the, the mountains that they're staring at are actually a mirage, right. It's an illusion. Um, and that, that doesn't really make too much logical sense to us why that would work. Um, but nevertheless, they, they've kind of follow his, his suggestion and they do in fact kind of, um, you know, make their way. I believe that they say that they make their way North, um, and that they avoid kind of going to this mirage, this illusion, um, and i think that 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 is kind of saying that there there is value in the way that people who do not fit into kind of this this kind of um societal cultural kind of western standard of of how to think of how to live right uh, there is value and and kind of insight in the way that they experience the world um and i think that the the reason that there's no end to um the reason there's no into that story is because Casper Hauser himself is, is of course dying in this moment. Right. Um, he, he will not see what comes after himself. Um, but, but I think that the film is saying that there is, there are other ways of thinking about the world and contextualizing the world. And that by, by kind of paying more attention to that and kind of turning our back on these kind of narrow boxes that we try and fit everybody into that maybe there is a, a kind of a, 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 different, maybe better future, I guess, is how I read the, that dream sequence.
2: Right. And that all those different ways of living and seeing the world are in their own ways complete, that there's nothing missing that they're not. Y-
0: yeah. Well, I think specifically I, I tied that the character of the, uh, you know, the character of the blind uh, shaman uh, who is kind of leading that that caravan, I think is not just comparable to Casper Hauser, but is comparable to a character early in the film who uh, is blind himself. Uh, he's a yeah. piano player who is blind um, and he is don't have the, the uh,
2: Flurry and Frick um, actually uh, Is that the a member character? Po- oh no, sorry, that's that's the actor who's actually a member of Popol Vuh who ended up doing a lot of uh, Herzog's uh, film scores
0: it it is it is another person who is staying with uh, Professor Georg Frederick uh, Daumer, who is uh, one of the, the old professor who kind of takes in Casper uh, Hauser. Uh, but there, there's a character who is who is blind and is a piano player. I think his backstory is that his house burned down, his entire family died. He is blind, um, and he plays music that is uh, kind of I think uh, noted as being. Um, kind of uh, a bit odd or out there, certainly not following a lot of the musical conventions uh, of the time, uh, but it's still very beautiful music. It it kind of drives Casper Hauser to tears uh, when he hears it, right? And I think that that is another comparable character, right? I think there are a number of characters in this film uh, that that Casper Hauser comes to contact with who are kind of who don't fit into the the so-called norm of society, who are uh, different in some way, uh, but nevertheless the way that they they kind of interact with the world is is still you know it is worthy of uh, you know it is still be- beautiful it is still mm-hmm. uh, worthy in, in some manner um and i think that that is really what that second dream sequence is saying in my mind
3: yeah i really like that and i really like the the particularities of the um the metaphor illustrate that really well right because um not to nitpick your language jason um but but the the man is still blind right so like he he is missing something that everyone still has so like his I wouldn't necessarily call his means of like sort of perceiving complete, but they are like worthy of respect and they are useful in their context, right? In fact, they allow him to see something that other people can't see, which is again, sort of like Caspar Hauser's contextualization of his life, right? Just like his perspective as an outsider has given him this ability to sort of see the illusions that these people have as illusions um, themselves, right? Like, all of all of the things that he's been taught and all of the things that he's been taught are necessarily correct. And in nature, he is able to see the way that they're not just the way that the blind man can sort of see the mountain as an illusion. So I really like that, um, that take in that reading.
2: OK, so rather than being complete or whole or, you know, without a uh, shortcoming, they are still very still worthy, still like valid, still for you know by 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 a concept of relativity they are still uh you know I guess I guess the best term we can come up with for it is worthy, is valid, is is like considerable.
3: Right. And I, I feel like that's important just because it would be really easy to problematize another reading, right? Where it would say like, I mean, Casper Hauser is is a victim, right? He was not mm-hmm. socialized. He was he was tortured with isolation. And so like it's not I mean, he—he is. there is a a case to be made that he is underdeveloped just by like any standard because people aren't meant to be in isolation. And I think that's a part of the story, right? Um, I just think it's important that like the way we respond to and think about that and the way we treat people like that has to be different than this, right? Because they still have all of this, right? Like just because they're blind doesn't mean that they don't have all of this other thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't have this interiority. They don't have this this ability to perceive the world in their own context. Um, yeah.
2: Okay. That makes more sense. Uh, well with that, I'm going to open the floor to final thoughts. I'll start with my own and see if it triggers any, in anybody else. Um, I am really fucking jealous of the guy who can play a long flute with his nose. Um, that is a really enviable skill. Uh, but, downside not specifically to that but to the whole circus scene uh spitting fire with a beard seems singularly unwise i was pretty sure i was going to see another werner herzog warning um, of a man setting his own beard on fire with the oil that he was uh spitting uh in the again in that circus um uh, troop scene uh so that's my final thoughts last lingering ideas anybody else got any shout outs final thoughts
3: uh, Shoutouts to Bruno S. I think that's the most affecting crying I've ever seen in a, in a movie, right? I, when, he, when he hears music and when he's holding the baby, um, and then as he's uh, laying dying, uh, he, he's like doing this silent cry where the tears just like stream down his face. And man, did it really, really get to me. Um, I agree with Aaron that this is not a melodramatic movie in the slightest, like Herzog really, really combats that. Um, but it is almost as affecting in those moments as anything in um, Elephant Man, despite Elephant Man's sort of big melodramatic pretension. So shout out to that. I thought that was really, really effective filmmaking and acting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
2: We have quorum. Um, all right. Well, I think I need Harry's help uh, summoning in the final segment of our show.
3: I would love to, Jason. The
1: segment is what we like to call <gasps> Cody's Cody notice Boy, howdy! Thank you, gentlemen, again for that uh, very enigmatic introduction. Um, okay, listen up. We've got a brand new type of game that uh, we're going to try to field oh test today, God. and that game is called Try Love Feud.
2: Ooh, I'm going to do the I'm going to do the hand rubbing thing like
1: like a fly. I got to. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> like a fly. <laughs> or like a, a scheming person. Um, I, know you're not, <laughs> uh, I know you're not a schemer by nature unless you're scheming to win uh, the Ooh. game. Um, so this will be an experience somewhat inspired by the famous game show Family Feud, albeit uh, tempered down quite a bit and also adapted for easier three you know, solo person play one V one V one, et cetera. So don't latch onto the family feud, uh, classic rule set too hard. Instead, uh, listen closely to the following rules. I'm going to talk a lot just to make sure we don't miss anything. And then, um, maybe we'll save questions for the end. Uh, but what I'll do is, um, basically I'm going to announce a category of films. And then one at a time, I will ask each of you for a guess of a movie that is included in that list Every guess will come with a 10-second window, and these are just going to be 10 seconds that'll be counting out silently on my side just to to keep us all accountable and to keep the game moving. Uh, Every category or round comes with three strikes per person, kind of like Family Feud. Um, They got those three... I think there's three strikes. I haven't watched an episode of Family Feud in a while, so we're we're just kind of winging it here. But uh, if you get three strikes, you'll be out for the remainder of the round. I will now outline here, what gets you points and what gets you strikes. So for points, uh, to get a point, you'll need to correctly guess a movie that is in the announced category during your turn within the 10 second window. Um, and every correct guess will be worth one point just to keep things easy. Uh, if you make an incorrect guess, so, you know, you guess a movie that's not in that category, you'll get a strike. If you have a, um, and pay close attention to this one. If you have a correct movie, but fail to state the full title of the movie, you'll get a strike. Um, I don't want any of the wishy washy. Really? This I don't is want so... any Ooh. I, I don't want any wishy washy. We're pausing the game to adjudicate on the correctness of an answer. Just say the full title of the movie. No shortcutting, no truncating. Um, Would I get credit for Indiana
0: please. Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Or do so we have how sort
3: of close? Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings?
1: Yeah. Harry, wh- uh, hmm. you're correct. And Aaron, yes. That is the. Yeah. I mean, you. you so I wouldn't get just say, credit Don't for that. just. No, you, you would don't just say Indiana no Indiana Jones. Jones. Okay, all right, okay. Is, so, what I, is what I, okay. is what I'm I'm getting at here, right? Like that's that that seems pretty straightforward, right? That this does that make sense like, to everybody? This feels like anti I may complain about this, stuff. but yeah, let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't have to play. Jesus. Uh, and if you fail uh, to guess a movie before I count through the 10 second window of your turn, I will announce that time is up and you'll get a strike. I don't want to ever have to do that. But again, I want to keep the game moving. Just always guess a title, even if it's a stupid guess and even if you have no idea is my recommendation. Um, so I've randomly generated an order for this first round, um, which I will announce. Oh, it's, so it's a roguelike. like, okay.
3: Cody it's doesn't understand human. what that means, Jason. He was born without the part of Sorry. his brain that understands video games.
2: I'm going. I'm going to lose this game. I know that I will, uh, through technicality or legitimate loss. So I just have to get him in when I can. You know, uh, Cody, please.
1: And whenever it's the next person's turn, I'm just going to say that person's name, uh, and then that's when I'll start silently counting down. So I'll be like, Aaron, and then that's you know your your time will start. Pretty can I not go I first? Can I go like second? Uh, well, I- well, <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We'll be doing three rounds of this, and we'll systematically rotate through that order. Um, so each stopped, person will I get a round so. where they go first, second, and third. Yeah, what I, I believe I said save questions for the end, you scamps. Um, so the winner will be the person with the most correctly guessed movies combined over the course of the three rounds. So all the correct guesses cumulatively. Um, I think I covered everything. Any lingering questions, anything you feel I didn't get to, any comments from the peanut gallery, just, just you know, so again, you can get them in, like Jason said, anything of the sort? I have two
3: comments of the peanut gallery. Um Great. Variety, great. Uh, number one, thank you, Cody. You do this for us every week, and it's it's we we make it so difficult.
2: It's for you. so much. Yeah,
3: <laughs> he does so much work, and, and we really fucking put him through the rigor. Uh, but that does bring me to number two, which is I found it very funny that you were incensed by the fact that you introduced a new rule and we were whining about it, as if you didn't know <laughs> that we were going to whine about it. <laughs> like that's not exactly what you anticipated. So that's that. Those are my two comments. I, thank
1: you. If anything, I thought I was going to make it further before we got to that. And so I was like, "Ah, oh, that's uh, I was my my prediction was wrong. So I lost a bet with myself is the only thing. Uh, Jason, I see you've you've maybe got a question or better yet, a comment.
2: Mm, a, be- a comment, indeed. Uh, you may uh, notice that I do indeed have the Jeopardy theme queued up in Zencastr's sound effects feature. Would you like me to play that? Uh, because it is at a steady 60 beats per minute once you read off somebody's question.
1: Um, oh boy. Uh, it'll be a better you know listening
2: what? experience. Unfortunately,
1: <laughs> you know what? Uh, fuck it. If we want to, if we want to try it, then, then we certainly can. That seems, yeah, we can abandon if, it if if halfway it's, through. If it's, if it's, if it's too much juggling, then we can just scrap it, but you know fuck what? Yeah. Let's yeah. All right. Perfect. So, all right, let's give this a whirl. So keeping with the film we discussed today, our first category is going to be the top 10 most logged films on Letterboxd with a first and last name included in the title. All right, so a title with a first and last name. No first name only situations, no nicknames, no partial names. It uh, needs to include a first, first name and, and last name. name. Yeah. Okay, First and uh, last. So title that includes the, a first and last name. What's did we read that off
2: see? the trivia mafia rule yet?
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Well, sure. that's Yeah, thank you. Um, I didn't want to um, cross Aaron, you know, Aaron's gonna uh, take between copyright Aaron's going to take anything he can
2: to scoop this one from me, so I need to rob him of every
1: tool. Perfect. Well, here, yeah. So we got Family Feud on, on one hand. The other hand, we've got um, the Trivia Mafia rules, which do apply here, which is use your noodles, not your Googles. Time is of the essence, uh, of course, but um, yeah, it's a, that's a good call, Jason, just to make sure we have our bases covered. Um, perfect. Thank you, thank you. And, yeah, thank you, thank you. And the order that we've got going into uh, this, I've got a lot up on my computer here. Uh, I wanna make sure I get the right thing open. Perfect. So, the order we've got for this first round um, is going to be Harry. Aaron, and Jason. So I haven't started the time yet. This is just, you know, take a few moments to, to uh, digest the category. Um, the order will be going in is Harry, Aaron, Jason. Whenever I say your name, you'll have 10 seconds on the clock, and we will go until either all the movies have been guessed or everybody has gotten three strikes. So without further ado, um, let the manic energy of this episode uh, continue. Um, 10 seconds on the clock, Harry.
3: Wait, I don't even get to like think about it uh okay um Barton Fink, Barry
1: Linden uh, Michael no, you, get one, you get one you guess one you guess one you That's guess it? one yep so your oh. first guess was Bart your first guess was Barton Fink and uh that is unfortunately not that is unfortunately not in the the list of top 10 here so that'll be a strike for you um again the guess was Barton Fink now moving along to our second person in the queue here we've got Aaron cue the music if you want you don't have to uh, right. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button Curious Case of Benjamin Button is the guess uh, Benjamin Button is not on the list Are of you a I, I, best I best am best. not fuck. fuck um, So that is a strike for Mr. Grossman um, Moving right along here uh, our, our third person in the queue here, we've got Jason, Jason go ahead John Wick John Wick is the guest John Wick is number 7 on the list Uh, So Jason (laughs) Damn yeah. So that is a point for Jason Uh, No strikes against him yet for the round Um, The other fine folks here have a strike apiece So that'll put us back to the top of the queue here Um, We're just gonna go This is gonna be a long segment (laughs) (laughs) Next up uh, We've got Harry Harry you're on the clock Um Okay Malcolm X. Sorry, what was that? Malcolm X. Malcolm X. uh, Sorry, that is an incorrect guess. That is strike two for Mr. Mackin here. Moving down the line here, we've got Aaron. Aaron, you're on the clock. Um, uh, John Wick three uh john wick three is the guest john wick three is incorrect uh what? so that's the full name of the film so he wouldn't have gotten credit even if it was yeah, oh. i just kind of picked one i just kind of picked one uh john wick three parabellum if memory serves it's been a while um that is correct, all right uh, hey point for me um moving down the line here um our, our little dj himself we've got jason jason you're on the clock
2: indiana jones and the last crusade
1: Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is the guess. Uh, Jason, very smart. So that is strike one. (laughs) Strike one for Mr. Daphnis. We're moving back to the top of the queue here. Um, We've got two folks with two strikes, uh, the first of which is Harry. Harry, you're on the clock. Dan, I don't like this. Uh, I'm going to go with Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> Aaron Brockovich, solid guess. Um, but that is strike three for Harry. She did not make the list, unfortunately. Um, so it's down to Aaron and Jason for this round, um, starting with Aaron. Aaron, you are now on the clock. Can I get some music, Jason?
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jason, I'm, sorry. Can I get I'm trying to some music.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. God damn Indiana it. Jones and
1: the Temple of Doom is the guess. <gasps> But unfortunately, that is strike three for Mr. Grossman. Uh, We're back to Jason, who um, now has, uh, he's got a a few picks here. We'll we'll still stop it, you know, after each successive guess, but he's got one strike here. Um, So the um, next round is for him. Jason, you are now on the clock. Jerry Maguire jerry Maguire is the guest jerry Maguire did not make the cut either unfortunately i can't Sound. think of another fucking film i can't think of one <laughs> <Yeah>. other fucking <laughs> film
3: not
0: a seen. single oh, other movie
1: for one dollar name like, a movie like you a test, oh, she, it's like, is
0: it shang chi is shang chi gonna be one of them? <laughs> uh
1: jason still has one uh strike Airbow. remaining um I don't so come on uh, with without further ado uh jason you're back on the clock
2: That's a hard there thing to manage. um I know. <laughs> uh, go, Shang
0: Chi, coward!
2: Shang Chi in the Legend of the tss, Five Rings. Oh! Uh,
1: no! In, 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 in regardless. Um, oh, uh, a, a, a valiant attempt. I will now read out. So I'm gonna. What here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read. Circle back to the round. Uh, we got one point out of that round. That point went to Jason. Uh, Jason Daphnis. I tried to think of a witty nickname, but I panicked. Um, it's hard to think under pressure, as we found from this round, where we left nine films unguessed. I will now read from one to ten uh, the the full list here, not Wait, taking too to much time. Wait, ten to one or yet. one to ten? I can go ten to one if you want.
2: Yeah, countdown. Yeah, I countdown. No right, coming yeah. in
1: at coming in at number ten, we've got. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. God, uh, how do we forget
2: fucking Harry Potter?
1: It's <laughs> really obvious. God damn it. You number know, nine. Yep. Harry Potter
0: and the Chamber of Secrets.
3: <laughs> you know why? It's no. because why would anybody have watched those movies since Letterboxd was a thing? they you have fucking a point.
1: basic bitches. Harry Potter marathon. That is the, the answer. They, yeah, a free form every other weekend. <laughs> Harry Potter fucking weekend. Uh, shout out to the people who have cable. I don't. Uh, number eight. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part two. You, you have seven. to be
2: shitting my Man, ass. Man, I guess Barton
1: Fink. What kind of a fucking double-ass... <laughs> <butter> <laughs> <David Brockovich. laughs> uh, uh, Steven Soderbergh is is having a good old time laughing at this. We know he's listening. Number seven, John Wick. Uh, so that one was the soul. Uh, John Wick was the king of this round. Number six, Goodwill Hunting. Number mm. five. Yeah, I, I can pause for commentary if, if y'all want to come That's in probably with your questions. Let's not
2: do. We're, we're running really over <laughs> that time. guy's name
1: Will yeah. Hunting? Uh, It's William. Yeah. And number five, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Number four, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Number three, Donnie Darko. God. Number two, Forrest Gump. And number one, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Jesus. Oh. Wait, that's number one? That is the number what one. What is the letter Box for, first, no, uh, for it does. first last name representation in the title?
2: Wow. That was a really, really fucking good round, but I feel like people a dope. V8 commercial extra right now
1: uh the rationalization for us going along in this segment i'm just going to use you know we're concluding uh a harrowing series uh we're going to liven it up with uh two more of what we just did um the next category i mean also have... to, yeah, to be ahead.
3: fair cody i'm sorry but this is also why people listen to the podcast to be clear cody's notice is absolutely the reason to yeah. tune in they I don't know... know what we
2: just talked about they just jumped right to the timestamp stamp i put in you there. you know
1: they did I know Jason's not going to push the button, so I will just go. Um, So now the second category is the um, we've got the top 10 most logged films on Letterboxd that have a genre tag of comedy. So movies that, um, you know, movies can have many different genre tags. Uh, Some of them I've seen have like four or five. We're thinking movies that have a genre tag of comedy. Give you a few moments to digest that. The order in which we'll be going is uh, so we're just moving right down the line here. Aaron and then Jason, and then Harry. So that's the order we'll be rolling with. Nobody is on the clock yet. I'm pulling up the document here. So, um, all right. This is most logged, correct? Most logged, yep. So yeah, most popular, most popular meaning the films that are logged the most on Letterboxd. And without further ado here, so films with the comedy genre tag, first on the clock is Aaron. Aaron, go ahead. Uh, Booksmart. Booksmart is the guess. Um, Booksmart is not on the list. Pretty good guess, though. Uh, yeah. Um, I thought
0: that, yeah.
1: Uh, honestly, I'm um, a little surprised myself. Moving down the line to second in the queue, we've got Jason. Jason, you're on the clock. The Hangover. The hangover is the guest. The hangover is another, it's a swing and a miss, buddy. Um, so that's a strike for, for Jason Daphnis. Next up, uh, third in, in the, the ringer here. I'm just trying to think of different ways to say the same thing. For variety's sake, we've got Harry. Harry, you are on the clock. Uh, let's try When Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally is the guest, uh, Autumn Energy, as we're just exiting Autumn uh, and approaching New Year's here, um, it's not on the list, but it is on my rewatch list, um, which I know everybody was wondering about. Uh, heading back to the, the beginning of the queue, everybody's got one strike here. Next up, Aaron, you are on the clock.
0: I'm thinking just because of the recent holiday, planes, trains, and
1: automobiles. Maybe that gets a yearly log from people. Ooh, that's hey, including one from me. Um, but not enough of a bump, unfortunately. Did not Jesus make the list. Christmas. Comedy films on Letterbox. Uh, moving down the line <laughs> again to, to uh, Jason. Jason, you are on the clock. Gonna go Rush Hour. Rush Hour is the guess. Rush Hour, strike two, Daddy O. Um, no points yet this round. Uh, Aaron and Jason both have two strikes. Harry as one strike, and Harry is now on the clock. Harry, go ahead. Just blatantly stealing Aaron's reasoning here. I'm going to go with a Christmas story. Christmas story. Ooh, 24 hours. Uh, that's also on my rewatch list. Uh, it is not on this list, <laughs> <ever>. um, so <laughs> I tried to soften it up and, and give it uh, give it a little praise before. I don't watch um, comedic films. But I watch dreams.
3: sad films. All right. I don't know any comedies. I watch comedic so,
1: films, and I don't know why. Do I, so. So here's the thing. Everybody's at two strikes now. I'm going to um, implore, uh, give every, everybody uh, a few minutes, a little time out here, you know, water break, Gatorade break, whatever it is you athletes need to do. Um, consider recency. Um, you know what I'm boss, ready to go. I'm actually ready to go. Let me released. guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Hold on. Let's, let's wait. Let's wait till you're on the clock here. Um, I'm going to be Aaron, too smart. Go ahead. You're on the watches. clock. Go ahead. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. All right, we didn't get the full title, so I'm sorry. No, Scott Pilgrim. On
0: that one. Oh, <laughs> that's what you were saying. If you had prompted me for another title, you just said Scott Pilgrim weirdly versus the world. Can I get credit for that? I feel like I was not prompted for the full title correctly, and this is a, the, clearly we all hate this rule. Harry, can you back me up on this? Jason, please back me up on this.
2: Oh, man, it was this so good, though. He got you one on? Scott Pilgrim oh, we film adaptation. It's
0: not even on the list. It's not even on the list, so you can just we tell made, me that. We
2: made a gigantic, like, oh my God, we made such a to do about I was gonna this. I'm going to go with blazing fucking started. saddles. Do
1: you understand? <laughs> Aaron, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. You're at three strikes. I'm going to have to move down the line here. <laughs> We're going to out the light. Uh, next up, the clock is Jason. Jason, go ahead. Train wreck. Train wreck is the guess. Uh, I think I saw that in theaters, um, but I will not be you? seeing it on this list, unfortunately. Um, sorry. Scott All right, pilgrims on this list. I'm going to mail you anthrax <laughs> for Christmas. Do you understand? Do you understand? <laughs>
3: we have that recorded.
1: We do. It's yeah. It's it's on it's on tape. Um, we've got one last. Uh, one last uh, participant here for this category. Hanging by a thread. He's got two strikes. Harry, you are on the clock.
3: Man, I don't... I can't think of a single comedy movie that's. has been... Say Blazing Saddles, man.
1: Just now, I, you know.
3: like I'm going to go with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Thank you. Oh,
1: Scott Pilgrim versus the
0: world
3: is no. the
1: guess. And
0: that is a point for Harry. Scott
3: Pilgrim no, coming okay. in at
1: number Harry, 10.
0: Harry... Solid, Aaron Harry, you gotta back me <laughs> up on this. Is a true test of moral character for Harry here. I, I, for the record, I do think that Aaron should get the point. Yes, obvious. thats uh, that is a ludicrous rule in this case. All right, Indiana I, I, Jones. I, I, if the if the answer was Temple of Doom, would obviously bullshit. Scott look, Pilgrim. I, 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 when there is I, one you know Scott Pilgrim film, because I know that Cody is not going to give him the point.
1: But, but it's that? ludicrous. It's it,
2: uh, patently listen, absurd.
1: Listen, I know I said a lot of words at the beginning. I gave you guys like two rules to follow. Just yeah. two, just two fat, measly fat, little rules. You Okay, I said Scott Pilgrim, and you went, Scott Pilgrim? Not even
0: communicating. All right, uh, look, I'm done, but the, <clears throat> you're getting anthrax in the
1: mail. It will kill you. Can, we, right, um, can we
2: get a scoreboard for a sec?
1: So, um, should be noted... Harry still just has two strikes, so he'll have an, another guess here on oh, there. No. But he did get Great. one point for Scott Pilgrim. Jason's got a point from the last round, so it's one one zero. Uh, also, what Jason the fuck Harry is wrong Aaron with Letterbox people?
0: Me. Really, what is wrong with Letterbox people?
1: You know, man, I don't know. It's Uh, no reason. uh maybe, maybe Harry will have an answer to that, or better yet, maybe he will have another correct guess for movies that are on this list of comedic, quote unquote, comedic films logged on Letterboxd. Uh Harry, you are on the clock yet again. I'm just going to get silly with it and say Fargo. Fargo. Ooh, I, I like that guess. It's not on the list, but I, I like you getting silly with it. Um, that concludes this round. Rapidly going through the this, um, this category films. Number 10, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Number 9, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, number oh, 8, what? fuck off! <laughs> number eight the wolf of wall street number seven the grand budapest hotel number six la la land number five ladybird la number four once upon a time in hollywood number three That's spider-man into the spider-verse number two knives out number one parasite what not, not a, a single one of those are comedies There's okay so comedies what, what we
2: failed to consider just was just the yeah. taxonomy of letterbox yeah. that it is mm-hmm. just sort of broken I mean it I, was a it, I wonderful did wonderful that,
1: but did not get a point, unfortunately. But uh, it's it's almost like past Noti segments have prepared us for that. Um if only one of us had have. talked about the the fleetingness and and uh, bullshittery of um genre tags on Letterboxd. Maybe during maybe during the Friedkin series. Hmm. I'd have to check the tape it's, on, what on is that. The funny, what <laughs> is the funniest one of those to
0: be on that list? I mean, JoJo Rabbit is like it is a comedy, you know what I mean? Like it's not should not be on that I list, think, but it I is think Lady
2: Ladybird is pretty funny to have as a comedy.
0: Yeah, Lady, once upon a time in Hollywood, I guess has some funny parts. Uh, I had parasite Auto-lapsed is at funny
1: parasite at times. Out Yeah, of
0: course. Spider Verse, Lady Bird,
3: parasite is one third of a comedy. Spider Verse like, is a comedy yeah, in the way that like every
0: single blockbuster is a like. Yeah, I like that movie, but the, like just every single the, blockbuster
1: has to have jokes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Hey, that's honestly that's the biggest takeaway from this, um, and that. You know, we're learning things about ourselves and about the, the industry uh, and about movies, and we're going to learn a little bit more as we head into the third and final round. Um, we've got, uh, we're opening it up a little bit as if um, the, the manic energy wasn't enough. This will be the top 15 this time, the top 15 most logged films on Letterboxd that were released in the 1990s. So getting away from all that genre nonsense, um, the top 15 most logged films on Letterboxd released in the 1990s. The order for this uh, for this category is going to be Jason, then Harry, then Aaron, so, we'll pull up the, the document here. And um, so, again, 1990s. We've got 15 of them casting a bit of a wider net. Um, without further ado, first in the queue, Jason, you are on the clock. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is the guess. Uh, Pulp Fiction uh, is number one on the list. So, that is a correct guess and a point for Jason. Um, No strikes earned uh, with that one. Moving down the line here to Harry. Harry, you are on the clock. Thank you, Jason. (laughs) Um, Can I go with Toy Story? Toy Story is Harry's guest. Toy Story comes in at number 12, so that is a point for Harry we are—we've got this—this this nice, this nice momentum going now. A little two-point streak, um, and hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll make it a, a trifecta here with Aaron. Aaron, you are on the clock. Uh, uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is the guest. Forrest Gump is number five on the list. A uh, little dramatic pause there. Everybody's tied up at one point apiece for this round so far. No strikes have been earned. Uh, let's let's keep this going, shall we? Uh, Jason, you are back on the clock. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire is the guess. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire did not make the list, unfortunately. That is one strike for Jason. Um, uh, up next, we've got Harry. Harry, you are on the clock. Uh, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, the guess. From Mr. Mackin. And Jurassic Park is number 11 on the list. So that is a point for Harry, um, who who takes a lead for the round of two. Yeah, uh, no strikes yet earned for Harry. Uh, moving along down the line here, we've got Aaron. Aaron, you are on the clock.
0: It's rather embarrassing. I'm completely just like blanking on 90s film, Just like completely blanking on anything that I would be guessing. Uh,
1: I guess Reservoir Dogs would go with that. Reservoir Dogs is the guess as he (laughs) comes in just under the wire. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, number 10. Um, Number 10 on the list. So that's a point for Aaron. Uh, No strikes earned by Aaron yet either. We'll move back to the top of the queue. Um, We've got one strike for this uh, fine fellow. He's looking to get back into it. Uh, But Jason, you are back on the clock.
2: I'm going to guess Fargo.
1: Fargo is the guess. Uh, Fargo is unfortunately not on the list. Um, Criminally underseen classic uh, modern masterpiece Fargo. Um, Go figure. Uh, Moving back down the line here. Uh, Still no strikes for this individual. Harry, you are back on the clock. I'm going to go with Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused is the the guess. Uh, Dazed and Confused unfortunately did not make the list. So that is strike one. Harry uh, moving down the line to our third slotted participant for the round Uh, Aaron you are on the clock Shawshank Redemption Shawshank Redemption is the guess Uh, Shawshank Redemption number eight on the list so that is a point for Aaron who takes the lead for the round with three points Uh, moving back to the top of the queue we've got uh, two strikes here for Jason who Jason you are now back on the clock buddy
2: I should play something a little bit less joyful than the Jeopardy theme because I'm going to tank myself with this. Um, I'm going to go for Rush Hour.
1: Rush Rush Hour is the guess. Rush Hour, unfortunately, did not make the cut. Should so have Scott Is Hilden. it for Jason this round. Um, well, um, move, so we've got two participants remaining in the, the 90s list and still plenty of movies up on the board here. Um, we're going down to somebody who's got one strike. Harry, you are on the clock. The Lion King. The Lion King is the guess. Where's my document? Oh, there it is. The Lion King uh, just missed the cut. So that is um, oh, unfortunately God. strike two for Harry. Yeah, I think it was literally like 16 or 17. I was so
3: impressed yeah. with myself.
1: Yeah. That's hey, honestly, you came very close. Um, but that is it's strike all a bit two more. For I can't you. think of a film. Uh oh, just Karen keep, keep stalling on the this clock. Thing.
0: Uh uh, uh 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 just can't think of
1: one yeah can't Time is up think of no, a f- yeah. yes so that is one strike for aaron um Strike one, the first strike earned. Moving back uh, to the, the top of the queue here, uh, uh, Jason, as we said, is out for the round, so it falls back to Harry, who is at two strikes. Harry, you are on the clock.
3: Um, I'm not very confident in this answer now, even my last one, but I want to keep pushing in the direction I'm going to go with the
1: Aladdin is the guess. Uh, Aladdin, unfortunately, did not make the cut. So that is strike three for Harry. So let me set the stage here for everybody. So um, Jason and Harry are out for the round. Um, Aaron is at one strike right now. And um, I should note the scores that we have up to this point. So Jason is sitting at two. Harry and Aaron are tied with three. And this is cumulatively for all the rounds. So Aaron's got two strikes remaining to get a point if he gets a point. He gets sole lead of, of this inaugural trial of feud. This, I mean, you have two strikes, and yeah, this is the third of three rounds. So as long as okay. you don't get two consecutive incorrect guesses, you will come away with a sole victory. Otherwise, you will remain tied. All right, let's, so, I, I, I so just I to one. set some stakes one. here, uh, Aaron, you are on the clock. I got it. I got it. Play the music. The Matrix. The Matrix is the guess the matrix is number six on the list aaron gets a point yep um i mean we can I don't just cut it off a, there i mean i won right it. yeah please do yeah. i can't think <laughs> another fucking film <laughs> so uh so uh, really really quick um number 15 the big lebowski number 14 goodwill hunting number 13 titanic number 12 toy story number 11 jurassic park number 10 reservoir dogs number 9 goodfellas number 8 the Shawshank Redemption, number seven, seven, number six, The Matrix, number five, Forrest Gump, number four, The Truman Show, number three, The Silence of the Lambs, number two, Fight Club, number one, Pulp Fiction. So the score count again okay. for uh for this, the inaugural, uh, the inaugural rendition of Tri Love Few. Jason two, Harry Three, Aaron four. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's all she wrote. Thanks is- for playing.
2: That is, thank you so much, Cody. That was actually one actually fun and way two way closer a game than I thought this would be. Uh, especially from the starting couple of rounds, that was a real turnaround. I congratulate my friends uh, Aaron and Harry on their well-fought victory um their continued success is all that i want to see in life uh and i can't Aren't wait you to, to the continue our yourself? next uh, edition of tri love You're wonderful new game that. come uh created by our friend cody Narvison. Yeah. Uh, one of these days we'll have to put you in the in the Trilever seat uh cody maybe maybe for the berries because you don't get to play uh, these you just get to come up with them
1: yeah no that's okay you guys do great I oh, yeah, okay. well, we, <laughs> all, we definitely want would absolutely beat our asses at oh yeah. Him. yeah yeah oh yeah any, actually, any sort I of movie trivia be, yeah yeah like, no He would
3: absolutely demolish the three of us i mean he's only um, been would be, building would be yeah. fun to do that though like just so that people could see how much better he is at this than we <laughs> are
2: yeah that's what i mean is we got to gas him up some uh he Folks. just looks like jigsaw back there he doesn't look like somebody overcoming the trials of jigsaw you know
0: Folks, you you may think that uh, me me winning uh, this round of Cody's noties, as as I am want to do from time to time, um, may may humble me a little bit, may cause me to maybe soften uh, some of the criticisms that I've had during the segment around particular rules and whatnot. Please, please, Jason, stop playing the farting in the background. It's it's blunting the point that I am going to make. Here. <laughs> now, you, you might you might think you might think that oh, Aaron, you you know you you won this game. Why why criticize such an obscure and 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 nonsensical rule as the having to name the exact name of a uh, a movie? You know, you won. Can't you just take the W and leave? No, as Thomas Jefferson said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And just because I won this game of Cody's Noties does not mean that I have to did i have to respect my oppressor for the the uh, vague and I'm and lost. uh okay coming up look uh no happy to play uh happy i won this one uh, i thought i would lose uh quite handily so
2: I thought we would all kind of lose quite handily. Uh, these games are not made for mortal men. Uh, but this podcast is made for mortal humans everywhere. It is a podcast called TriLove. You can find it on Twitter at Try Love podcast. It's about movies we saw and people we met at the TriLon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's a cool little place we go to pretty often. You can find them at TriLon Cinema and at TriLon.org. Get tickets uh, no longer for the Hertzog series, but for a number of upcoming series, including one about, um, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, 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 I'm, I, want, I keep wanting to say Nicholas Rogue, but I know it's not Nicholas Rogue. Who is it? Are
1: you talking Is about Romer?
2: Not? Romer, Eric Romer. Thank oh, you.
1: I blacked out, and like, I mean, there's that guy uh, that he has a movie coming in like a, a later series, later series, right? Oh, has uh, he? D- don't look now. Am I crazy? Oh. You know what? You keep doing your outro. Um, I'll and then keep I'll, doing the I'm, outro. I'm, I'm, I'm in the queue next, so don't I'll, look now. I'll Isn't I'll that confirm. the new climate
0: change movie coming out?
2: Ah ha 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 ha. advice. Wait, are you are you being serious? No, it's not. Uh, don't it's don't look that up. I'm Maybe? what yes. it's called? No, don't a, look yeah, up because joking. there's a bird above you. He's gonna he's gonna do this.
0: We have to end this podcast. I've
3: been here
2: eventually. The can we? And can we stop hearing.
0: Jason from playing that fart? So I, like no. I literally know.
2: Literally know you can't. <laughs> not unless you get to right. my computer and hit the X button to remove it. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Twitter and Nintendoofus. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Uh yeah, confirmed. Uh Nicholas Rogue, rig however you say that. Um he directed Don't Look Now, uh released in nineteen seventy three. That's coming up in a series after the Romer series. I forget what the series uh oh it, um oh oh you know what go to the trial and website they'll tell it tell you everything you need to know um look at uh, require the full names of of titles just because i don't you know how am i supposed to know in the moment whether aaron is talking about scott pilgrim versus the world released in 2010 uh-huh. or scott pilgrim versus the animation which also came out in 2010 or scott oh, Pilgrim yeah. versus the world 10-year cast yeah. reunion which came out in 2020 oh yeah so it's I was just talking you know, about
0: the cast re- you know i actually was talking about the cast reunion was that not on the list i thought that was the one it's- Ah,
1: you know who criminally underseen a, a nice quarantine treat for all of us um who who are very fond of the cult classic um i i don't know what else to say and i probably should stop talking i just watched the raid um finally and uh, the biggest reason i watched it was so that i could go back and listen to the uh, old episode yelled it before I, wow. I joined the main crew so i'm excited to to hear a, an old an oldie a golden oldie of of love um so i don't know looking forward to that um i'm thankful for y'all of y'all that uh put up with us and and tune in so thank you for that um be safe out there stay warm i've been cody narvis and you can find me on twitter at cody underscore bh well, My name's that Aaron.
3: Cool that i feel like i have to say some other stuff but i'm not going to go ahead Aaron.
0: Oh, uh, yes, my name is Aaron Uh, you can find me on Twitter At rbplease
1: One Sunday in 1828 A ragged boy was found Abandoned in the town of Nuremberg He could hardly walk and spoke by One sentence Later he told of being locked in a dark cellar from birth He had never seen another human being A tree, a house before To this day No one knows where he came from Or who set him free
3: राम